Alex, it has happened. Yeah, what's happened, man? I have received the most perfect Father's Day present. Oh my gosh, when I saw the picture on social media, I was so flippin' jealous. I'm like, p- I want to say a cuss word right now, but I can't. I'm going to post one on Instagram of my Father's Day present completed. Oh my gosh. Just just tell the people what it is. The Lego set of the Millennium Falcon has come to rest oh my at my residence. It's funny because what's what's going to happen, because I went over to your house, right, yeah. this weekend, and I saw it, and I was in awe. It's amazing, dude. The it tops is, all flip up, the whole interior of the It is a Millennium work of art. And it's I, amazing. And I said, Jason, what are you going to do with it now, now that it's all built? And your response was, I'm going to hang it up in my bedroom <laughs> with fishing line. <laughs> and I'm like, my man right there. <laughs> Yeah, I've been I've been nice to the kids. I've been letting them play with it, but I've been keeping a healthy eye on it. <laughs> There's a couple of times where I got how a, many I was, how many bricks is it? Over thirteen hundred. Oh my god! I was about to break out the craggle, but <laughs> dude, I, I you cannot not, craggle that. No, I'm not gonna craggle it, but I am going to display it in my bedroom. <laughs> Either from the ceiling, or I'm going to get rid of some of my commentaries and make a place on the shelf for it. Oh, yeah, those uh, John MacArthur commentaries. <laughs> yeah, no, we're going to put a Millennium Falcon right there. Yep. Bill, bring it in. <laughs> Gosh, if there's one thing I would replace my John MacArthur commentaries with, it would definitely be a Millennium. That's like the one coveted set I've always wanted. Now, let me say this. There is... An old Millennium Falcon set and a new one. Right, you have the new one. I have the Episode Seven, Millennium which is fine. Falcon. It's still the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, it is. It's pretty amazing. It's got you know. You know those old those old Millennium Falcon sets go for like four grand, right, on eBay, in that, the box that, still. Well, that's what one of the reasons why I'm keeping the box. <laughs> it might turn into. Well, a it's open. You opened it, so it's immediately lost like at least seventy percent of its value because you opened it. I don't care. It's going to be with me for a while. <laughs> I'm just picturing like, you know, Jason, you know, you know, he's passed on. He's gone. He's gone to be with the Lord. He's a hundred. You know, he lived a hundred long years. <laughs> no, it's going to be in the coffin with yeah, you. It'll be, with me. <laughs> it'll be with you at the resurrection. <laughs> Can I bring this into the kingdom? No. Okay. Oh, which makes me think, dude, I was at church the other day and I would totally the coolest thing like. If I could like have a Christian superpower, it would make it would be able to make myself disappear and leave only a pile of clothes where I was standing <laughs> just to make like like to be up in front of people preaching and just be like, Okay, I'm gone and just like leave a pile of clothes. Wouldn't everybody feel so terrible? Was he raptured? He was he's he's gone. gone. It's so real. <laughs> anyway, I mean, I was so busy planning a surprise birthday party. My wife turned 30. Yeah. I I planned out this surprise dirty 30 birthday party for my wife. That I even forgot it was Father's Day, but we had a blast. Yeah, we did. I I I was invited to the party thankfully. Uh I didn't I didn't, you know, miss out on anything. But it was really awesome because like you really took Dirty 30 to the max with oh, the theme. Oh, I did, too. I made, a, I made a banner that looked like it was printed out on the dot matrix paper from an old like 80s printer. 
She was born in 87, so I, I bought some uh, Now That's What I Call Music. Those were so ridiculous. Compilations broke out this old stereo boombox. There and was we watched uh, Gremlins. We watched Gremlins. Oh my gosh. We watched Lost Boys after you had left. Oh my I had to leave because I had my daughter with me. So right about the, the scene where Gizmo gets water spilt on him, I had <laughs> me and Ada had to leave. Because that's when it gets really messed up. Yeah. But like you had like just like, you know, chips and like pizza, pizza rolls. rolls. That was the main thing. I got eight hundred pizza. pizza rolls, dude. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, we went through six bags, dude. We went through so many pizza rolls. They're so good. They're so unhealthy, but they're so good. Let's face it, people. Yeah. If you your last meal would definitely be pizza rolls if you had no repercussions. Yeah. But anyway, it was super fun and You you left before the roller derby crowd showed up. Yeah, I did. I had to leave because I had my daughter. I was trying to be a responsible adult. Yeah, and that's where the fun started. We took a we we spent a lot of time talking about the squatty potty. <laughs> which my wife, I know small town pastor wrote us one time and she said if she led as many people to uh, Jesus says she has to Aldi's. <laughs> She'd be like a saint or something. My wife is like a squatty potty evangelist. <laughs> like everybody she talks to, she talks about these stinking. I hate the thing personally. I don't use it. I'm not going to go into detail because it's gross and yeah. it's messy. You just picture it squatty potty. Yeah. That's what you're dealing with. Yeah. But yeah, I got a great picture. We'll post that on Instagram mm-hmm. too of that party. Things get messy sometimes with the squatty potty, probably. Yeah. But the reason why we're here today, Jason, is we're talking about this idea of grace and how grace isn't always this nice, neat, boxed up, you know, prize that you get from God. It's messy. It's messy sometimes. And we're, we, we have Steve Austin on the show with us today. And it's... His story is so powerful. Like Jason and I are going to, we did a lot of joking in the beginning of this episode here already in the intro, but this is probably one of the more serious episodes that we've done. It gets weighty. It gets weighty, but it's worth it because at the end of the episode, we start to discuss this idea of messy grace. And Steve Austin is going to tell a little bit about his story. He's going to talk about all the different platforms that you can find him at. He's, he's, uh, he's a podcaster. He's an author. Um, life he's a coach. blogger, life coach. He's yeah. he's done he's done it all. Yeah, and as as you're about to listen to this episode, go on a Twitter right now. If you do Twitter, I am Steve Austin, hashtag Messy Grace. Go go look up both of those. Man, he's it was he was a really fun interview, and like I, like I said, he's just he's been through so much, but I, I feel like God is using that in order to help other people that are struggling with the situation. And, that, and there's voices like steve's that is really needed in our church world yeah for sure so you guys we're not doing it justice here in the intro we should just get into the interview so without further ado this is not your pastor's messy grace episode All right, guys, we are here today with Steve Austin. How's it going, Steve? Hey, so good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Steve, you are our second guest who we've had on who 
we first came in contact with who contributed to our pulpit series. You did a little mini sermon for us. Hey, hey, very <laughs> cool. Yeah, yours is great. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you, you sent in that sermon. I uh, originally heard you on the CXMH podcast. I've and heard of them. Yeah, yeah, you're on that one as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And we'll, we'll run through your credentials here in a little bit, but but heard you on there and, and uh, just threw out an invite, and then you were one of the first people to send us in a sermon. And you started to share some of your story in that sermon. I was like, holy crap. I was like, we got to get this guy on. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, was just telling Alex here that your your book, uh, from pastor to a psych ward, is you got av- it right. It's av- Bravo! <laughs> well, it's available in iTunes podcast format, and I binged on that whole thing yesterday, from start Man, to finish, awesome. and it just blew me away. I listened to chapters one and four. Jason's like, "Do not." There's some chapters just you're not ready for them yet, Alex. So <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Oh, okay, okay." I'm very I'm very novice to the whole mental health um field, I guess you could say, because I don't yeah. I don't know any fa- any of my family members that have been diagnosed. I mean, we we you know, we could say maybe, you know, aunt so and so has something going on, but we don't, you know, there's nothing been uh diagnosed per se yet. So like this is all very new to me. So like even when we did an episode of uh couple months ago on Jason's anxiety disorder. Yeah. This is all like just opening myself up to this whole new world and not like the Aladdin Disney like song. You know I was what I mean? singing it already. <laughs> <laughs> it's just on deck. <laughs> we're, we're all dads here. We know. Oh yeah, absolutely. So Steve, you are author, speaker, life coach. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a busy dude, but it's all, it's all stuff. I love anything that falls under the umbrella of, mental health advocacy and messy grace. That's what I'm all about. I'm kind of curious what a life coach does. Like, again, I've never heard of a life coach until Sarah Fader said to us one time, she's like, oh yeah, I have my life coach. Okay. So life coaching is different from counseling in that counseling usually starts at a not so good point in someone's life and digs deep and works on trauma, abuse, something bad that happens uh, and, and goes through it from a a sort of a therapeutic point. Coaching, my kind of coaching anyway, is ideal for the person who's done that. They've gone through the counseling, the therapy, the recovery, whatever. And now they're saying, okay, I've done the hard work of recovery and I'm ready to move forward with whatever this next chapter in my life is. So it is not counseling. Coaching is let's start today and let's look forward um, into instead of life happening to you, how can you grab life by the horns and and make things happen? So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I could see how that would be pretty impactful. Myself going through counseling with anxiety disorder and stuff too. Uh, when you finish counseling, it's kind of like, okay, what next, you know? Absolutely. You, you've uncovered a whole lot of junk, you know, and, and in a lot of ways, very healthy ways, and you're, you're, deal, you're dealing with it or you dealt with it, but, but now how do you function? So, yeah, I mean, I see, I see how that's very beneficial. Yeah, it is one of my favorite things. It's one of the first things that I tell people in a, in a brand new life coaching session is my goal is to help my client 
dig deep and find the resources that they've already got inside themselves. So I'm not coming in saying, let me fix your life. I know Ayan yeah. or whatever her name is on Oprah, you know, it's Ayan La Fix My Life, but that's not my goal. I'm not coming in trying to fix your life. I'm trying to ask you powerful questions, curious questions to get you to look in there and go, oh my gosh, I, I totally know how to do this or wh- how I want to get around this obstacle or get over that hurdle. So, um, yeah, people are extremely resourceful and resilient. Most people just don't know it yet. Yeah. So I got a life coach question for you, Jason. Have you seen Fight Club yet? No, I have not seen Fight Come Club. Come on. <laughs> Steve spits out his coffee. That is awesome. <laughs> no. you're, you're taking it home tonight. I'm but, not going to watch it, back. it. I'm not going to watch it. Why dude. don't? That doesn't matter. We're getting off topic again. Uh, all right, we so, should never have movie trivia conversation with Steve Austin on the show because – I wouldn't be able to answer any of it. Like, have you ever seen that movie? My, my answer pretty much is going to be no, unless it's a kid's movie. So ha- have you seen Fight Club? Nope. In that Brad Pitt? <laughs> so you he at least it. knows who it is. Yeah, well, but I bet I, you who it was too. But I bet you he's seen Trolls three times a day. Oh. 97,000. <laughs> we were it. just talking about it. <laughs> Good. And the new Beauty and the Beast. Oh my gosh. Oh, I haven't seen that one yet. We The, the real Beauty and the Beast, oh. Dad. It's beauty and the beast <laughs> yeah, we're, <laughs> oh, yeah we're a netflix family and we've we've uh we watch trolls about three times a day are you a netflix so. family <laughs> subscribe today <laughs> i'm like whoever came up with this netflix and chill idea obviously doesn't have kids yeah <laughs> <laughs> so so you kind of fall right in line with the kind of people we like to talk to on our show called uh you know not your pastor's podcast talking to former pastors and you yourself used to be a pastor and then you literally like the title of your book ended up in a psych ward after a suicide attempt that is heavy even just to say and the first chapter of your book i was like holy crap yeah (laughs) <laughs> I, I listened to it all as a as a collective, and it was pretty heavy, dude. It's like, yeah. it's like, holy crap! Uh, mankind is depraved, like, in the most horrible sense of the word. But man, God is awesome. <laughs> On the other side. Uh, so if you're willing, if you walked away with that, I'm good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I, I want you to share some of your story for our listeners and you can go into as much or as little detail as you want. And we really want to push our listeners to uh, list, read, buy your book, read your book or listen to the, uh, podcast version of it. Or so, sign up for my newsletter and get it for free. I, I did that too. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that book was written and I, golly, here I go using church lingo, but that book was written as a ministry. That's the whole goal of that book. The goal of that book was never to get rich or to get famous or anything like that. It was all to say, this is my story. And if there is somebody out there that connects with one chapter of this thing and says, oh my gosh, me too. Yeah. That's the whole goal to say really bad stuff happens to us and Some of it we have no control over, and sometimes we make really piss-poor decisions, even if we love Jesus. Sometimes we make some really stupid decisions, and life doesn't happen in a vacuum. The choices that we make and the choices that other people make ripple out, and they 
They affect other people. Our decisions affect other people, good or bad. So when I was abused as a preschooler, I was sexually abused at not quite four years old. My parents were very young and um, didn't seek wise counsel and assumed that because I was so little and they innocently assumed it. I'm not I'm not angry. Please don't hear me throwing shade at my parents. But they innocently assumed that because I was a three year old, I wouldn't remember this and life would go on. And so we didn't talk about the abuse until I was a senior in high school, uh, part of a leadership forum. There were two or three seniors from each high school in the county who got picked for this thing. And we would travel around um, to different uh, sort of a tri-county area to businesses, government agencies, things like that, and meet business owners, community leaders, listen to them talk, ask them questions, and find out what leadership really looked like in the real world. So we were at the Department of Human Resources, which um, in other states might be something like CPS, Child Protective Services, something like that. But here in Alabama, it's DHR. And we're sitting in this conference room, big, long wooden table, white block walls. And my first thought sitting in there is this is where they bring kids who have been abused and neglected. And I can't imagine a kid feeling safe or comfortable in this (laughs) just very stark, cold room. But I'm sitting there with my peers. I'm sitting there with um, community leaders, teachers from my high school. And I am the guy who seemed to have it all together. Everything was going my way. I had great grades. I was involved in everything that you could be involved in. Um, I was everybody's friend and um, very involved in church, not a troublemaker, not a party animal, just a good kid. And the director of the Department of Human Resources came in with – a, a doll, a stuffed doll that she was holding, and it's the doll that they use when kids have been abused. So a social worker would would sit down with the child and ask them what happened, and the kid would point to where they were touched or hit or, or whatever, uh, and, and they would use that as a visual. And all of a sudden, all this stuff started happening in my brain and my I had this knot in the back of my throat and in the pit of my stomach and my palms are sweating and my heart is racing nine million miles an hour. I'm 17 or 18 years old and I'm thinking I'm dying. I'm having a heart attack and I'm having all these like flashes of memory, but it's just, it's just little flashes. It's just little bits and pieces. And I, I don't have words for what's happening, but bad things are happening in this moment. This is not a good moment. I don't know what's going on. And it's that fight or flight thing. And I ran, I got up totally out of control, totally not put together. Mr. Mr. Put together. I'm like, all I know is I got to get out of this room and away from all these people. Yeah. And I got out in the hallway and I just sank down against that block wall and, and just sort of, collapsed into myself. I didn't pass out or anything, but just sort of collapsed into myself. And I was hyperventilating and crying and just trying to figure out what was going on. And, um, one of the teachers came out and was just asking me some questions and we're working through some stuff. And she said, 
Steve, it sounds like you're having a panic attack. I don't know what that was. Uh, the only time that mental health of any kind um, had ever been a part of my life is when I was a, a young teenager. Um, I was going into my freshman year of high school, and my mom's sister died by suicide. And that's the only person that I knew up until that point with any kind of a mental illness. So we worked through that enough to kind of get my bearings, go wash your face, you know, that kind of thing. And eventually went back in and, um, got home that afternoon and total mama's boy guys. Okay. Total mama's boy. Um, mom was my, my best friend, my cheerleader, always in my corner. I could tell her anything, whether she liked it or not. Uh, super, super close. And, I got home that afternoon, and I'm telling her what happened. It's the first time in my life that she didn't make eye contact with me. Yeah. And it was a big deal. It was, uh, like, I'll never forget it, thinking, what, what are you doing, Slim Shady? Like, something's not right here. <laughs> so we're talking through this stuff. She tells me details about what happened, um, that it was the neighbor's kid who was 17, um, old enough to know better, obviously. Yeah. And... Um, that basically she and dad decided to threaten him within an inch of his life. Mom had been tutoring him after school. And uh, so he was comfortable around our place. Um, she threatened him within an inch of his life, um, knew that his dad was a raging alcoholic and that if it went any further, that things would probably be really bad for this kid too. And like I say, just assumed that this three-year-old would never remember. And uh, so they told him to, you know, never come back on the property, that if he was ever anywhere close, they would call the police, you know, and, and things would go from there. And um, so we talked about it that day, and then we didn't talk about it again for another 10 years. So I'm 28 years old. I'm a youth pastor. I'm a worship leader. Um, I had been dealing with anxiety, been dealing with depression, been dealing with some flashbacks. I would hide in the bathroom at the church, close the stall door. I'd take my lunchbox in there with me, get my lunchbox out, take my anxiety meds out of my lunchbox, take my medicine, put it all back in there and go back out like nothing ever happened because I didn't think you could be a Christian and have a mental illness. Mm. A lot of shame, a lot of stigma in the church. And a lot of people just don't know what to do with mental illness. Where I grew up, if you mentioned mental illness or depression or being suicidal, a team of people prepped to cast out a demon. So I was scared to death for anybody to know what was going on with me. I certainly wasn't going to go see a counselor. I just didn't have enough faith. That's what I believed. That's what I was taught. And... Um, so at the age of 28, the shame from the abuse, the secrets, the fake it to make it mentality that is so prevalent, um, in the church, the depression, the anxiety, all of that, the, the lie of performance-based Christianity that we can work hard enough and, follow this Christian checklist and do all of the right things and have our 
stuff together uh, and eventually earn God's love. I believed all that. I bought into all that and got to the point where I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm not this guy. I am falling apart on the inside, even though I look like I've got it all together on the outside. But if any of those people out there know that I am dying inside, show's over. And, um, and I've been involved in theater all my life. And so I knew how to put on that mask. I knew how to say the right things. I knew when to raise my hands, when to stand, when to sit. Uh, you know, I knew I could pray better than anybody. I knew how to do all of those things, but there was, in the words of my friend J.J. Landis, she wrote a book called uh, Some Things You Keep, and it's the story of her life after her mom died by suicide. She says, there is no magic Jesus pill. And nobody ever told me that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that you couldn't just take a magic Jesus pill and everything be okay. But I had prayed till I was blue in the face and I was not getting better. And so I thought that I either had to be Christian or crazy. Mm-hmm. But but there was no room for anything in between. And so um, I was working an out-of-town uh, assignment. I'm a sign language interpreter. That's what pays the bills. And I was working a, a two-week contract job uh, out of town, stayed in a hotel room um, by myself. And anybody with, with bad depression or anxiety will tell you being alone is about the worst thing that you can do when you're really in the, the dregs of it, when you're in the just the lowest point. You don't want to be by yourself. I mean, you do want to be by yourself, but you don't need to be by yourself. Yeah. And um, so I'm just caught in what Brene Brown calls a shame storm. And all that stuff is just swirling, all these lies, and this will never get better. Things will only get worse. Um, my little boy turned a year old the day I woke up in ICU after a suicide attempt because I, I just believed the best thing I could do for my family would be to just disappear, that he would never remember me, that my wife was young and good looking and could move on and eventually remarry. And her life would be better if I just disappeared. So all the grace, all the Jesus, all the, preaching, all the all the writing, it, it didn't matter when I was holding the end of the rope, looking at the end of the rope. None of that mattered. And um, I, people talk about suicide being irrational, and they're right. It, it is irrational. It doesn't make sense. When, when you think that there is no hope, that there is no one that will believe you or believe in you, it is irrational. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know any other way to put it. Um, so all of that to say the last five years, September will be five years, um, has been a time of rebuilding and restoring and reprioritizing and being introduced to this God that I didn't know existed. I didn't know that God loved us at our worst just as much as he loves us when we think we're at our best. And that's changed my life. This is complete renewal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
Dang. Like, yeah, like, I don't know how many, gosh, like, this is just, this just took a somber turn, but, like, how many people can actually come back and say, no, this isn't the answer? Because so many people, unfortunately, are successful in their attempts. And you have the very unique perspective, and I, it may, and I think this is God's providence in saying, like, I have a purpose for Steve. He's got to go through this dark period, but I got a purpose for him, and, and he's going to help many people with his story. But we got to go through the mess first. And I'm sure we'll probably get back into uh, – we'll probably talk about that. But first, let's take a quick break. <laughs> Dang it, Alex, you're gonna put the brake there? <laughs> you can't do that. Yes. I'm gonna hold all that back here. All this stuff is gonna go up here. Don't forget, don't forget. Jason, you know what time it is? Five star reviews. That's right. So this week, Jason, you know, it's, we've been kind of, you know, a dry spell a couple weeks. Yeah. But we finally have some five star reviews. Oh yeah, two of them to be exact. So I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read both of them. So what song is that? What song is that? Mike Tyson's Punch Out for Nintendo. Oh, I don't know if I ever played that game. It might have been a little bit before my time. You done? I was gonna give you some background music, but I guess I won't. Okay. Are you done? You okay? Yeah. Okay. All right. So. This is pretty awesome from at the Nick Mayer. I remember stumbling upon this podcast a few months ago. Since finding this podcast, I think this is one of those podcasts that I always feel challenged by. It is great to hear the different perspectives of both Alex and Jason. Thank you for the content, gentlemen. Hopefully the five star the five stars continue to rain down. That's like awesome. blessings from on yeah. high. Yeah. <laughs> Just rain on me. See now you've, star reviews. you've gone too far with your singing now. Oh. At least mine was cool video game singing. So thank you, Nick Mayer, I so give him much. A quick shout out. Yeah, absolutely. He five star review. He's a podcaster himself. Yeah. And he was ragging on me about not watching Fight Club, which mm-hmm. F you, Nick Mayer, but <laughs> but no, seriously. Um, podcaster of the Millennialology podcast. Go check it out. So this next one, Jason, uh, somebody trolling us pretty bad, and basically saying, basically taking what we said about, yeah, if you leave a f- leave us a five star review, we'll read it, we whatever will. it says. Well, whatever it says, we will read it. So somebody took us to task, Jason. Okay. Uh, the longest word in any of the major English language dictionaries is. Pneumonia ultramicroscopic silicovalconiosis, a word that ref- refers to a lung disease contracted from the inhalation of a very small silica particles, specifically from a volcano. Medically, it is the same as silicosis. The word was deliberately coined to be the large, longest word in English and has been since used in close approximation of its original intended meaning, lending at least some degree of validity to its claim. But seriously, these guys are legit. <laughs> you should subscribe. <laughs> You leave us big words, you leave us four-letter words, Alex will say them all. So, <laughs> thank you, BDBDB. That's who left that review, and I remember... Solid what, burn. Solid burn. <laughs> Much like mono, ultra, and microscopic Nicole. <laughs> I can't even do it again. You get one time. One you time did. you got it. You nailed it, dude. So, thanks again, guys, for Stop leaving us... so smart. 
I'm not that smart. Uh, thanks again, guys, for leaving us the five-star reviews. And once again, we need those five-star reviews because they help us get in front of more people to see our podcast. Please leave those five-star reviews. But, Jason. Yeah. I kind of left everybody hanging at the break. So let's get back into this interview. Yeah, that was a jerk move. All right, guys, we're here with Steve Austin, and I got to say, so recently uh, Steve befriended me on Facebook, and I've been looking at his Facebook posts, and I can't help but kind of feel like a little bit of shame because I'm not like Steve, and I'm not going out and running like miles on end every day. (laughs) Like, I feel like, and here's the thing, like... I feel like when we were first became friends, which I don't know how long ago it was, Facebook will send me a reminder uh, later this year. Right. I was like, oh, okay, Steve Austin. Like, yeah, I've heard Jason talk about him. Okay, I don't really know much about his life. And then he, like, you see all these running photos and then you see like a recent post. I'm like, this dude looks jacked. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. And I'm like, my wife better not see this. She's like, hey, you need to start running like Steve Austin. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, it was inspiration for me because I started working out at Planet Fitness. Yeah, <laughs> about six weeks ago. That is great. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I've lost any weight yet. I, ser- <laughs> I certainly still don't look good, but it's getting it's better. It's all diet, dude. It's all. I know. Dude, you do that car- carb-free diet. You watch the pounds just fly away. Yeah, <sighs> they gone. Walk right, though. It'll all come back. Yeah. you're gonna go back to carbs. Yeah. No, uh, I'm not going back to carbs. Hold on, let me drink this beer. Real Whatever, quick. drink that beer. <laughs> See, I love nachos and cheese. I love nachos oh, too. Yes, that's those. That's tough for me. I, I feel like I'm doing better. But anyway, we left off before the break and pretty much Debbie Downer mode, like uh, super serious. And then Alex, you just we're gonna take a break right here in the middle of it, and you got this stupid headband on to hold your headphones on. I wish people could see. <laughs> I know it. We'll take a picture. Yeah, I got a picture. We're posting that bad boy because. <laughs> It's it's really hard to take you serious right now, but so no, Steve, you're sharing how um, you attempted suicide, and it's like in that moment, I got this from from reading your book and you sharing now, uh, you wanted to die, and God said no. <laughs> like, how frustrated were you with God at that moment? I <laughs> so. Yeah, I, there are people who attempt suicide who absolutely want to die. There are people who attempt suicide who maybe absolutely don't want to die, and maybe they are doing it as a cry for help. Um, mm. Either way, you're in a hopeless place. For me, I fully intended to die. Uh, there was no going back. It was... I'm out of here. So I was already on prescription meds for depression and anxiety. And I, so I'm two hours away from home. I'm in Huntsville. And I am going from pharmacy to pharmacy, just buying a bottle of Tylenol PM and a bottle of 
Benadryl at that pharmacy. And then I'm going to another one and getting doing the same thing. And it's because I didn't want people to think, oh, this, you know, go up to the front counter and you've got six bottles of each. Like, what is this guy doing? Yeah. So, um, so I went from store to store to store methodically, you know, had this thing planned out and the preparation for that is it's, there's not a good word for, for preparing to die. It's, it's this out of body experience. I remember sitting on the bed, writing letters to the people that I loved and you don't want to die. You wish things were better. You wish that that magic Jesus pill really would work and that everything would suddenly be okay. You know, we're in the land of Oz or whatever, but I'm, I'm writing and it was like, it's like my hand was working independent of my mind or my spirit or whatever part of me didn't really want to be in this hell hole. Um, but I took the tens of thousands of milligrams of prescription drugs, over the counter drugs. And, and that was it. And man, I woke up in ICU in a fog and there's my wife and there's her best friend and there's a nurse, and I think that Lindsay was, I know, she was in denial, and the first thing she said is, what happened, babe? Did you get your meds mixed up? And I remember trying to talk, and my throat was just like razor blades, had, you know, clawed down my throat, trying to talk back, and I said, no, I don't want to be here. I tried to kill myself. And I remember being so angry, and because I already felt not man enough, not husband enough, not Christian enough, didn't have my shit together enough, all of these not enoughs that shame tells us, and now I can't even get a suicide right. Yeah. So failure of failures, and now I'm staring my wife in the face, you know, our little boy's birthday's the next day, mm. and... Somewhere in those three days, I couldn't feel my legs. They're trying to decide if my liver's going to fail. And somewhere in those three days, call it drugs or call it Jesus, I don't know, but I felt this hand on my chest, and I felt this voice say, I'm not finished with you yet. Oh, man. (sighs) Changed my life. (laughs) <laughs> that changed my life. When I'm, you're at your lowest point and you hate yourself and God says, I'm not finished with you yet. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, dude, <laughs> I've been busting it for 28 years trying to do all the right stuff, following all the rules, you know, doing all these good little church boy things and none of it worked. And here I am, a complete screw up. And you still want something to do with me? Like, I don't know what you're smoking up there, but can I get some of that? Because this makes <laughs> no, you know, this is not the God I was taught. Yeah. This is not the be ye holy as I am holy God. This is this is a this is a different God. This is a different voice. This is a different feel. And man, I don't know. It it changed my life. That's that's the birth of messy grace. That's that's this grace that gets down in the muck, gets down in the mire with you, and says, "Let me show you a better way." Um, that's the God that sits in the ashes with you. It's it's Brennan Manning, 
um, who wrote the Ragamuffin Gospel, who says, God loves you as you are and not as you should be, because you will never be as you should be. Mm. That's powerful. That's messy grace. That, yeah, that's it, man. That's what, like, I wanted you to help us define grace because I love your perspective on it. And you just did. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I mean, it's, that's super, <laughs> that's super powerful, though. I mean, uh, like you, grow like uh, myself, growing up in a conservative church environment, we didn't have that that luxury, that knowledge. I mean, uh, in a lot of ways, and you brought this up in your book, you had a porn addiction to brewing in the background, and you mentioned how you're a pastor and a youth leader and well-liked, and you have a radio show going, and you have a job, and you're involved at school, and you're just dying on the inside. I mean, literally— yeah whitewashed tomb with dead man's bones inside and yeah that's the way i felt too on the outside i had everything put together i you know people loved me i was you know uh a church of christ i i took my baptist preaching father and had him baptized in a church of christ i mean uh i was i was the next big thing in that church and it all come crashing down living this double life that's isn't it exhausting it is mm. and i wonder how many pastors out there are stuck in that same mode right now like like i think back to the church that i used to go to we found a much healthier church to go to uh now and i hurt i hurt for those people who are still stuck and there's so many people still trapped in this performance based faith and they have no concept and maybe never will have a concept of God placing their hand on their chest and saying, I'm not finished with you yet. Yeah. I mean, in, in one sense, um, what a terrible, near tragic event. And in the other sense, what a powerful wake-up call, a place of rebirth, of renewal. And Alex, you started to mention it um, um, earlier. It's it's and it's this this concept of God um, using us in our brokenness for His glory and taking horrible. You things. said it a lot better than I said it, but yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was getting. Well, at. taking horrible, tragic things that have happened to us in our life and and making them for good, making use out of them. Um, all things are to his glory, right? I mean, what do you think about that, Steve? Is uh, how do you feel about that concept? Is is that yeah. accurate, or would you add any caveats to that from your perspective? Craig Groeschel says that we connect to each other more in our brokenness than in our perfection, mm. and that's what it's all about. Yeah, <laughs> on my best day. I'm still pretty screwed up. Yeah. I, I'm I'm still pretty broken. I'm still recovering. And when we all get honest and realize we're all recovering from something. Yeah. At some point, we are all recovering from something that bad things have happened to us, things that are out of our control, things that we never asked for. People and institutions have let us down. But when we can get to the point that we can wipe, and this sounds 
heretical almost. But when you can wipe the face of the church off the face of God and and see God as God is, this God of grace, this God that says, there is room at my table for you, no matter what, no matter where you are, who you are, your pedigree, your background, I don't care about any of that. All I want is you as you are, not as you should be. Good grief. It it changes everything, and people say that's too easy. You know, God's not just a God of grace; God is a God of truth. But I don't think that the two—it's—I don't think it's either or. I think it's both and. God is a God of truth, but grace is truth. Yes. You look at the words of Jesus from the message, Matthew eleven twenty-eight through thirty. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. I'll show you how to recover your life. Learn from me the unforced rhythms of grace. That's what it's all about. (laughs) This is so crazy to me because, like, I know, Jason, you've kind of had this weird church experience. I mean, you went to an ultra-conservative church, and it definitely you too, Steve. But, like, I never went to a a conservative church like that. I mean, like, the most... The only thing I really had a problem with my old church was they wouldn't let us play drums because they thought that was like Satan was going to be summoned. I mean, which most people would say that that's pretty conservative, but at the same time, like, no, that was that was pretty fine. I mean, they let a long haired tattooed kid come and get baptized there. Um, so, like, when when you guys talk about this stuff, like this stuff is just it just seems so foreign to me. But the more and more I do this podcast, the more and more I meet and talk to people and they have no concept of this God of grace or like, you know, Jason and I used to teach a lot of Bible studies in downtown Flint and, and we still kind of do in some capacity, like hearing guys like talk about like, they're still stuck in like, I have to read my Bible every day. And if I miss it, like God's going to be angry with me or like, you know, if we don't, if we miss chapel, like God's going to be angry. I mean, I'm like, no, like that's not the God of the Bible (laughs) at all. He's not he's not interested in your performance. He's interested in Jesus's performance and then he says, "Yeah, that's what I'm looking at." Mm. Uh, while we're talking about grace, you'll love this one, Steve. So, I'm leading a Bible study at Odyssey House in downtown Flint, which is a drug recovery home. Uh, mm. It's it's for, for it's for if your kids have nowhere else to go, yeah. they can come with the parent as yes. they're and it's kind of like a daycare while the parent goes to recovery groups and whatnot. Yeah, so it's primarily w- wow. women you're helping um I mean, we weren't necessarily helping with addiction. We were just leading a Bible study within this. They let us come in there and, and share. And so um, oftentimes I just find myself learning from them. <laughs> and so I asked them, I asked this one woman, why, why do you believe in God? And she said, uh, a year ago, I was shot 11 times in the stomach and left for dead on the steps of Hurley, which is a hospital in downtown Flint. Drug deal went bad. And I don't know who dropped me off. So they just dropped me off. But I was also pregnant. <laughs> and she was shot 11 times in the stomach. And she lifted up her shirt. She had another, she had two shirts on. She lifted up her top shirt. And she said, you can still see the bullets aren't all out yet. They're still working their way to the surface. Oh and I was gosh. so enamored with her story of just being alive that I 
failed to see the three-month-old baby sitting next to her <laughs> named Grace. <laughs> oh. oh, that's the greatest. She's got this little, and she's she's like, and you're asking me why I believe in God? <laughs> like, <sighs> like, I'm here to learn from you. But <laughs> but getting back to, wow. um, getting, mm. getting back to, um, confessing our sins. Um, nobody wants to confess their sins. It's so uncomfortable to bring up something about yourself that you don't want known by anybody else. Yeah. Vulnerability sucks. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I hate feeling vulnerable, but I always feel like in, um, I don't get this in a larger church settings. There's not time or place for it. I wish there were, but in smaller church settings, our church breaks down into little mini house churches. Um, you know, there might be 12 people and it, it breaks down into these smaller church. And I feel like that is the true church. That's where we start to not all at once. I mean, it takes a while to feel comfortable with somebody enough to confess your vulnerability. But when people start confessing sins, I feel like that is when, the most heart change happens. That's when God says, ah, you realize it now. You realize it, that you're still safe and my grace is still good for you. Even when everything is all out there. Yep. It's hard to get there. <laughs> but, Paul Young, who wrote the shack says we were made for relationship. Yeah. That we are wounded in relationship and that it is in relationship where we find healing. And that's it. When we finally realize that we are made for each other, that you look at the Trinity and you look at that relationship and God, you know, there's relationship there. And obviously we're just, you know, this natural overflow of that. And yeah, we need each other instead of, you know, figuring out all the ways that our neighbor is imperfect. If we would just love God love ourselves (laughs) love our neighbor like good grief how would things change but we can't love our neighbor until we stop hating ourselves until we stop all that negative self-talk and oh isn't god great but aren't i a piece of crap when we stop doing that then we can start loving other people man Hmm. i wonder if like if if jesus was on a podcast and he had like a q a time like how many of his answers would be uh love your neighbor as yourself Next yeah. question. <laughs> yeah, I feel like but we like we skip right over the as yourself part. Yeah, all the t- skip over it every I, like for years. Love your neighbors yourself, and we just all we hear is love your neighbor. Yeah, love your neighbor, love God. But man, we don't talk about like we don't have a self care Sunday. Why don't we have a self care Sunday? Why don't we talk about being kind to yourself? What are you talking? Why don't we talk about how Jesus got away by himself and prayed and pulled away from the crowd because he was freaking tired. Oh, Jesus man. was exhausted. Why don't we talk about that stuff? Didn't you have a self-care Sunday? You didn't even go to church this Sunday, Jason. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for outing me, Alex. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> but we did. My wife and I, we, uh, we skipped church. I'm sorry. I totally no, dogged no, you. You know what? I'm going to... I'm going to confess that I neglected to gather with the saints on Sunday. (laughs) And I totally did. But no, I've been in self-care for since December. 
because I found myself being overworked and doing way too much. I mean, uh, our last episode, we talked about this minimalist movement and shedding possessions and stuff. And one of the things that I had to shed right off the bat was ministry and made this, this point last week about, uh, faithfully serving a few rather than spreading my sin myself thin, um, trying to reach so many and build my resume and all the terrible stuff that comes along with ego and everything else. Instead of, uh, instead of chasing that idol, giving that up and just focusing on a few people. And that seems so dishonorable in our day and age of, of mega church culture. Um, it seems like God's not going to bless that. Like he blesses numbers and people get caught up in numbers and evaluation of their ministry success by how many people were reaching and gathering. It's really hard to push against that and say, God doesn't need me to be big. God needs me to be weak. God needs me to be small and he'll still use that. That's one of the things I've been wrestling through for the last several months. And even in your book, you're talking about all the ministry and everything you're involved in. And it's like, I knew what the book was about. You know, the, the title doesn't hide what the book is about, but it's like, oh man, he's going to crack. He's going to crack. <laughs> like, <laughs> not not that I'm crazy. bagging there's, on you or anything. There's but. so many stories now, like so many people have, you know, kind of come clean. Even if we look back through history, I remember listening to a sermon one time. And the and the past the the pastor's main goal of the sermon was to teach all, all these quote unquote successful missionaries in our church history how how badly they neglected their families mm. and basically saying like do not neglect your first ministry don't burn yourself out and then leave your family in the wake of that and it's like did we not learn yet like have we not figured this thing out like. If, if you do, if you're a pastor that's working 60 to 70 hours, your body can only take so yeah. much yeah. before it just breaks down. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I would be in, in my youth pastor days, laying in bed on my phone, you know, planning the next event, whatever, it's 10 o'clock at night, my wife's wanting to go to bed or do what husbands and wives do. And here I am on my phone planning some ne- at 10 o'clock at night. Like we are chronically overworked, exhausted. Yeah. We're way too busy for our own good. And I don't think God's pleased with it. I really don't. No. I think God's going, dude, like your number one, it's like you just said, your number one ministry is at your kitchen table yeah. mm. every morning or every night. That's your, you neglect that. That's man. You talk about preachers, kids and why half of them are jacked up. Well, that's why, because daddy's too busy saving the world and his family's dying without him. Oh, my gosh. It's so... uh, Michael Basinger from the Pastors Podcast, who just did a sermon for us, um, we released earlier this week. He uh, he said, just slow down. (laughs) Like, look at the trees, look at nature, look at your hands and just see God in the minute detail that you can only see when you slow down. Just Mm. take a... Take a break. <laughs> I've started meditating. I've been meditating for three months. Y'all can like kick me off the show now and end it, yes, right? But sinner, no. Started meditating <laughs> no. three like three months ago. It's changed my life because it's that right there. It's oh my gosh, take a breath, see what it feels like for your lungs to fill up with, and it's like, and you're like, this is the dumbest thing ever. But my gosh, when you really get into it and you really 
Take it, I, my favorite definition for meditation is a vacation from concern. Oh, man. Right? So Jesus is saying, cast all your cares on me. Well, dadgummit, if meditation is just an extension of prayer and it's just pushing all this away, even if it's just five minutes. Yeah. Man, it's, it has changed my life. There are days I can go without praying. There are not days I can go without meditating. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, you can tweet well, that. Yeah, well, now <laughs> I feel like every time my mom, because my mom's very much into kind of more like Eastern religions, every time she asked me to like meditate, I always had gas. And like, I don't know if that was like divine or what. Why are you going? I don't know. Awesome. I'm just saying, like, every time I've tried to meditate, I feel like there's this part of my body that says, no, I'm not ready to do that yet. Like, I'm laughing at you and what you're saying, but also the headband that you're wearing. <laughs> Like, it's just the whole picture's uh, just not your finest. Breathe in. <laughs> so great. That's that messy grace. Um, that is not messy grace. That's messy something else. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, uh, save it for the blooper reel. Anyway. So, Steve, you got this thing going on. Uh, Hashtag confess your church mess. You want to talk about that for a moment as we're wrapping up here? Nah. No. (laughs) (laughs) Steve's Steve's really fun. Yeah. Oh, Steve, Steve, Steve. Um, Yeah, confess your church mess. Sure. So um, (coughs) it it is not a way to say bad, 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 let's burn the church down. It is a way to say, these are the things that have happened to me. This is my experience, and we can do better. That's the whole goal, is to share our stories, to share, maybe it's crazy, maybe it's funny, maybe it's really unfortunate and terribly sad, Um, but as I mentioned before, we've been let down by people and institutions. And so by confessing our church mess, if we can get this church mess in front of the right people and say, guys, look at what we're doing. Like, let's pull back and and take this bird's eye view and look at what's really going on. There's some crazy stuff going on. And there's some really... We preach a really good message. We talk a really good talk. We say, come just as you are. But within two weeks, we want to know what committee you're going to serve on. We're going to tell you how you should be dressing. We're going to encourage you in the right way to vote. You know, we're going to do all, we're going to give you all these expectations. But if we would pull back and do the thing we've been saying, just love our neighbor. If we would just love people where they're at, if we would catch the fish and let the Holy Spirit do the cleaning part and us not try to do that, because that's such a fine tune thing, right, to clean that fish. And we're going in there with like machetes and we're just jacking stuff up. So if we would just catch the fish and leave it alone, my gosh. That's a powerful analogy. (laughs) I think that's pretty. it would be so... So different. So confess your church mess is it it's exactly what the hashtag says. So if you have a story that you want to share, you can email me, Steve at IamSteveAustin.com. Um, or you can connect with me on Twitter at I am Steve Austin, or you can connect with me through the hashtag confess your church mess. But I would love to share your story. Um, if you got a story to share. Yeah. Absolutely. What what other because uh, you are part of a bunch of podcasts. So what what other ways can people reach you? Not just through hashtag confess my church mess. So the easiest way to get me and find out 
pretty much everything I'm doing is to go to IamSteveAustin.net. Um, from there, you can get to my blog. You can find out about my life coaching, my books, um, speaking engagements, all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, I'm co-host on the CXMH podcast with Robert Vore. Um, and then I have the Ask Steve Austin podcast where people just send in anything and everything, any kind of question that they have that falls under the umbrella of messy grace. And I sort of come at it from a, a life coach oh, standpoint. Can, can I ask a question right now? Sure. <laughs> right right on the spot. Let's do it. Oh, man. I was... Okay. This comes from my super conservative church background. And okay. I remember hearing um, as we're getting ready to pass the collection plate, you know, oh. uh, standing in the back of the auditorium next to two other trustworthy men of the church, longstanding, um, one of them asked the other... Do you think people who commit suicide mm. go to heaven? And the other guy said, no, absolutely not. And started giving some very crappy reasoning, which I at the time, um, being a people pleaser <laughs> and being uh, conservative as I was, I bought it. It's not the way I think anymore, but what would you say in that situation? A downer of a question to end our podcast, but we I were think just it, having fun. I know it. We <laughs> you were talking about blood sports. Yeah, you were wearing your head bandana, and we were all farting. I mean, <laughs> no, I pause because we go deep theology here. Yeah. Simple theology, but deep theology. I think the deepest theology is simple. God is love. Not God is loving. Not God is mostly love or kind of love. Or if you're a good person, God is love. Or if you're a white Anglo-Saxon straight male Republican, God is love. God is love. And is, is an equal sign where I come from, a writer, you know, and I think about what words mean. So God is love. God equals love. God is the equivalent of love. Where God is, there is love. Where love is, you will find God. Can I be more clear? So if that is true, it's either true or it's not. And if it's in the Bible, I mean, I, I'm taking it as truth. So God is love. So if God is the whole embodiment, the total package, everything that there could be about love, and I am God's child, and I am in a living hell because my brain is wired different than every freaking body else out there, and I hate myself because of it, and nobody understands me, and things that make sense to you don't make sense to me because my brain's not wired, right? Um, and Or I'm bipolar, and some days I'm really good, and I'm so freaking manic, and I'm just rage against the machine, and other days I just want to crawl in a hole and die. Like, it's so unfair, Mental illness is so, and I, you know, I'm not trying to have a pity party. I'm not that guy, but my God, it seems so unfair. 
So you're going to tell me in one breath that God is love, and in another breath that this child who is miserable, who is longing to die, to just get out of this torture that is inside themselves that nobody can see or understand, and they finally get free from their torture, and now God's going to send them to eternal conscious torment forever. God is either love or a big asshole. I mean, I, I don't know, guys. I can't buy it. I can't buy that love sends me to hell. Hmm. I don't buy it. This has been Ask Steve Austin. <laughs> no, that is... <laughs> so sorry. No. No. I'll be on a boat with Rob Bell. I'm so <laughs> No. No, I think that's powerful. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's that's not like uh I didn't choose to be born. I didn't choose to have have a mental illness and now you're going to condemn me to hell. Yeah. At now, I know there are people you're going to get an email. Uh, that is yeah. Very- theology because now you're giving people a you know a way out you're giving a scapegoat now life is bad go kill yourself look no. i'm not saying that yeah. but suicide happens yeah it happens and people are miserable and they are already in hell that's what i'm saying yeah mm-hmm. i don't see this god of all compassion seeing somebody suffering for however long and now i'm going to condemn you to hell forever i don't i can't i no. I don't want any part of that. I mean, the whole message of of the gospel of the God that we believe in is he's a God who saves us from ourselves. Yeah. So whenever I, because I've, I've heard that before, like, well, it's, it's the only sin that you can't be forgiven of. And I'm like, no, that's not even what the Bible says about that. So he's the God. That's my kids. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. But like, he is the God who saves us from ourselves. And so he's so much, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I think you're spot on. I just wanted to give our listeners a sample of what does Ask Steve Austin sound you like. You got me fired up. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. I was like, oh my gosh, am I really going to answer? Yeah, I'm going to answer it. Okay, fine. <laughs> That's Steve at IamSteveAustin.com. Jeez. <laughs> I feel so bad now. <laughs> I mean, I'm like red over here. So, you were too. You you were. I get fired up about it. Here's Debbie Downer number twelve. I get fired up about it because I remember when my aunt died, yeah. and I remember the associate pastor of our church coming over, and that's the only question my mom wanted answered: is is my sister burning in hell, oh, man. wailing, gnashing of teeth? You know, we were taught all this god awful graphic theology as kids that your skin burns off and then it comes back and it burns off, you know, all this just sick horror story imagery around hell. And that's where my aunt is, who I adored. And I remember the under the breath comments people made at her funeral and the days and weeks after that good Christian church people. And I just think, man, if that's what it's all about, we are missing. I'm just, we're missing it. We've missed it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. Okay. I'm done. (laughs) Yeah, anything else you'd like to mention or push? Yeah, the rest of it I'll do in sign language. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you so much, Steve, for, for coming on and sharing with us your story and really defining what grace is for us. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I love the show. I love the whole premise of it. I love that you just come in here and tell the truth as you see it and talk about God as you see God and that we don't always have to behave. I love it. It's a great show. <laughs> thank you, too. I get to say thank you in person again. Thank you for sending in a sermon for our pulpit I series. It. So much fun. Thanks, Steve. We'll see you. All right. See you guys. Dude, man. Great interview. Was that not like, that might be our most like up and down from suicide to farts. But it was like this, it was, it literally was like a switch. Like we were talking about something super serious and somber. Then all of a sudden it was just like Steven, you know, you and I were just cracking up. Yeah. You wearing that stupid headband, (sighs) which you guys got to check out our Instagram. The bad guy from Bloodsport. Yeah. Kumate, Kumate. (laughs) What an awesome dude, though. Oh, Steve. I love Steve. An awesome story. I feel like if he was yelling at me with his accent, he still would, I wouldn't like think he was talking to me really sweet and nicely. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't think he could say anything mean to me with his accent. I got him fired up with uh, with my last question there. But I wanted people to see some Ask Steve Austin, you know. Yeah, go check out his stuff, man. Yeah, check out his podcast. I, I, so Jason, you suggested to me to listen to some of his uh, audio book, the book, yeah, on in podcast form, which I think is cool. I From, wish, I wish more authors would do that because, yeah, even if it was just previews of each chapter or something like that. But Steve is just out there. Here's and he here's narrated the book. it too. Yeah, he did a great which is, job. Which is in, intense because it's a lot of intense topic, and then it's him reading his book. Yes. And so I needed something new to listen to because you can only listen to Red Rum Theater Part 3 of The Godfather so many times. <laughs> and you can only listen to The Minimalist Podcast so many times before you're like, ah, I need something new. And you told me to listen to that Steve Austin stuff. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this is really insightful. And this it's is very insightful. And again, I, I said earlier in the interview, this is a this is a world that I don't know very well. And the way he comes at it, I'm like. It, you got to listen to at least chapter one, people. Go to it. What's the, what's the title again, Jason? I'm going to mess it up. From from pastor to a psych ward. You guys got to listen to it. And if you, do me a favor this week. If you love this podcast, go listen to at least chapter one. Yeah. And like the way he's able to connect with people with his story is truly amazing. Yeah. I'll say like like there's 13 chapters. And most of them are between eight to 10 minutes or so. Yeah. Chapter four, I think is the longest at 20 minutes. Yeah. And I knocked out, I knocked out that whole thing in two hours or less. I mean, I just went right from one to the next. I mean, it's available on iTunes from, from pastor to, to a psych ward. You guys have got to check it out. Or if you, if for whatever reason, it's not coming up on your iTunes app which mine was weirdly enough. I typed that in. It wasn't coming up at first. Just type in Steve Austin and go past the stone cold Steve Austin podcast, yeah. which I didn't even know he had a podcast and find Steve Austin. He's a nice Southern looking gentleman and you'll be able to find his book on podcast form. On yeah. The and iTunes podcast app. It goes into way more detail than he went into today. I mean, today's kind of the cliff notes, um, very insightful cliff notes, but the cliff notes of his book and, um, he gives a lot of tips, especially at the 
the the back end of uh, the last few chapters about self care, and we we touched on that a bit about uh, love your neighbor as yourself, and he hits on that a lot and has some really just good and insightful tips. Um, a lot of wisdom in that dude from his experience. Absolutely. So thankful for his time. Yeah, absolutely. It was really awesome. So thank you again, Steve, for coming on the podcast. And maybe we'll, maybe we'll have you on again. I don't know what we'll talk about, but maybe we can just talk about, I don't know. He's just so nice. He's like, I know it. you meet people on this, on this in this podcast forum. It's like, man, I want to be friends with him. Mm-hmm. But dang it, he lives in the South. Yeah. And I live up in Michigan. And I just, you know, I love the Detroit Red Wings. I can't abandon them now. You know what? Let's go to Alabama. <laughs> you you want to go to Alabama? Whatever. You just yeah. want to hang out with David Platt. <laughs> that's that's your end game. Which, by the way, I need to give you back your David Platt book because I'm trying to minimalize. Yeah. So anyway, actually, Jason, speaking of minimalism, we we got an update. We're ridiculous people right now. Um we have uh, some feedback oh, from yeah. our minimalism episode. <laughs> Small town pastor. Uh, um, the saga continues. Yes. I, I love it. I don't know if I can say her name. because Don't she, say it. Don't say okay. it. I she won't, refers, I won't say her name. And I think it's more like notorious if she, it's small town pastor. Yeah. What small town? We don't know. We don't know. It could Just be Metamora, Michigan. Probably not. Or someplace in Florida. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but she says uh, at not your pastors or are uh, at NY pastors our Twitter's handle. You can reach out to us as well. My TV died, and a friend told me not to buy a new one until I heard the new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I told her Jesus wanted me to get a TV. <laughs> you got to have at least one. I'm thinking. I'm getting. I'm uh, minimalizing my second one in my house. We have one TV in our house. Oh, man. There's... And I refuse to. And that's not the way I grew up. I don't know if you can consider me a bad parent. My kids are not allowed to have a TV in their own room. I wasn't allowed to have a TV in my room until I was uh, in my teens. And that was only because I saved up enough money to buy one. And I bought one that had... It was like the 12-inch screen with the VHS that was connected yeah. to it. And I bought with two the... two movies. I went to the store, I bought that TV, and I bought two VHSs. What, what, no, what, what, what age were you? I was probably 13 or 14. And you bought two movies. Um, okay, I'm not going to guess. Okay. I was going to guess, but I'm not going to. Gladiator and okay. The Patriot. The Patriot. <laughs> the Patriot Mel is in Gibson. my top 10 favorite movies of Heath all time. Ledger, Mel Gibson. I have seen that one. Oh my gosh, it's so good. My sons were better, man, and he stabs him in the throat. So good. Anyway, we hope you really enjoyed this episode of Not Your Pastor's Podcast. Please go to our Facebook page. Look at the ridiculous pictures that Jason posts on Instagram. I'm I'm sorry, Jason. I know I know I'm, you know, the other half of this podcast, but part of my minimalism is minimalizing how much time I spend on my phone. Yeah. And I haven't been on social media very much. Just here and there. But I've been really trying to scale back. But, you know, maybe once in a while I'll post something or I'll share something. And Yeah, you're kind of being an A-double snakes. What? Not helping me promote stuff. I'm sorry. I'm trying to not <laughs> be on my phone as much and spend more time with my daughter. Nope. I understand. I'll share. I'll share. So I need to share some more. I need to be a more contributing factor. But I need to s- stop, you know, 
posting all my status reports and how I'm feeling every every well, hour of every day. Well, this is why we need your help. Podcasting is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Alex and I put a lot into this show, and we Mostly greatly Jason. appreciate when you share our episodes on social media, when you yep. like or retweet them or give mm-hmm. them the little heart treatment, or um, when you contact us, like your feedback, or when you leave us a five-star review on so, iTunes. Please make sure. We had two this week. Our Apple podcasts. We yeah. had two this week, and like we said before in the break, if you send us a five-star review, we will read yeah, it, will no read matter it. how ridiculous it is. All right? So... Jason, you know, I've been I've been thinking about what we should talk about because you know hockey's hockey's not going to be here for another few months. We oh. got to kind of wade in this just really weird kind of space in our life where the most precious thing in our life besides our family is not here anymore. And so I want you to I want you to tell one of my childhood heroes, his name is, you may know him. His name is Mark Hamill Mm -hmm. as he's getting ready for the premiere of episode eight, the last Jedi. What's the one piece of advice you would give Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker and the rest of the cast of star Wars. As I longingly stare at an EA sports Sega Genesis 16-bit cartridge of NHL 94. Next to the TV you're about to rid. The TV that small pastor, small town pastor could own. 16-inch, not flat screen, old school style tube. It's still a TV. I mean, it's Jesus approved. I'll give it to you, small town pastor. Shane Don't was let go by the Arizona Coyotes. Forced into retirement. Do you know what this means? What? That only Yermir Yager was alive and playing on the <laughs> NHL 94. I asked you Everybody about Star else, Wars. And you I'm to- getting there, Alex. This is a tough moment for me. Okay. I was fine until I saw that cartridge calling me, speaking to me. Mark Hamill. Always keep your stick on the ice. We love you, buddy.